0: What is good, everyone? Welcome to the Outside the Box podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall, and on this show, I try to present to you a new way to think about the world of sneakers through conversations with creators, designers, other industry insiders, and entrepreneurs from within the footwear industry. My goal is to kind of break down the way they approach things, learn new ways of approaching challenges in my career, but also just you know walk away with some tips and tricks that you and I can both use in our daily lives. So on today's episode, I talk with my friend Barry Anchetta. His journey into the world of sneakers started like many others, as a youngster drawing his favorite Air Jordans. After years of collecting, he decided to sell his collection and start a family. But then he eventually found a new way to pay for his kicks through starting his own sneaker cleaning business. Eventually, that turned into opening a consignment store as well. One of the many takeaways from this episode is learning some of the tips on finding and working with business partners, kind of learning how to communicate better with those partners, and the value of being vulnerable and asking for help and also just the power of community support. So without spoiling everything, let's just jump into this conversation with my friend Barry Anchetta. Hey, what's good everyone? Welcome back to the Outside the Box podcast. My name is Nick Ingball. Today I have my friend Barry. I feel like this is the possibly one of the most longest long overdue conversations because <laughs> Barry and I are not only like connected in the sneaker world pretty closely, but we also are in the, the car world, cycling world, like Bay Area, hip hop. Like, I mean, our I think our interests basically like weave like crazy. So I'm pretty excited to, <laughs> to, to catch up. Um, Barry, how's it going, man? Give give us a little uh, 20 second rundown of who you are and, and where you're from and what you're about.
1: Wow, my name is Barry Man and I'm a I'm a friend of Nick. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I'm uh I mean everyone knows I'm originally from the Bay Area. Uh anyone that knows me knows that um uh, I'm from the East Bay area. Uh lived there most of my life, moved down to Southern California, got married, started a family. Um, you know, just been heavy in the car scene, sneaker collecting, and more recently, um sneaker restoration and cleaning. Um just You name it, man. I just always moving, always trying to do something different. Just, I'm really just a person that has a lot of hobbies that I'm just trying to make work out, right? (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, hey, that's that's, like all of us. That's all of us, right? Yeah, I think that's the that's that's really what I'm excited to talk to you about. Though, you know, this is kind of the 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 goal of the show for me is to kind of give a little more insight than what the average. You know the average follower on instagram might see about people's you know work what goes into that the life you know there's just so much more that i think can be kind of just elevated in the conversation and so i guess like let's let's start kind of at the beginning of like how you got into sneakers what were the first like what was the first pair that got you into it how like how did you get hooked in the way most of us did back in the day
1: man i mean it's it's funny because i listen to all the content you put out on on this podcast and on sneaker history and i almost want to say i have the same story as everyone else you know it started in grade school you know we're about the same age you know i just turned 41 so in the 80s you know i i i went to a catholic school um in the east bay i went to saint edwards and when you go to a private school or catholic school you're wearing a uniform and so there's not a lot you can do to differentiate yourself i mean this was a time when you know, music and and fashion and everything were starting to mix outside of school, and so you would see things on TV, and then you'd go back to school wearing the same blue shirt that everyone else is wearing, right? But the biggest difference was the sneakers. And back then in the '80s, it was about basketball at recess, and then just PE and what everyone was wearing. That was the thing that made everyone different. Um, so the first shoe, the first sneaker that I remember being super interested in was. Uh, the Andre Agassi Air Tech Air Tech Challenge Three, the um, Hot Lava. So I mean, it was just there was an upper grader that had it, and I would see him running at PE and just think, "Dang, that's cool." And then in my class, I had a a friend named Joe, um, who he had every single Jordan release that came out. And I remember I sat behind him in class, and this guy would just dog his shoes like he would burn them out to where the air sole was exposed and. In class, I would just stare at his feet the whole class thinking, man, I wish I could get a pair of those. And I would start to draw, you know, kind of like what you were doing when you were a kid, because we couldn't yeah. get the sneakers, right? They were super expensive. And my parents just thought it was it would be a joke to buy me something like that. So I would sit there and I would just draw sneakers. And that's the first time I remember just really obsessing over something, um, you know, at 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 that young of an age. Um and then from there, I mean, it it just as I got older, it kind of didn't go anywhere because I just never had the money. I never had the means and I never really had the will to, you know, prioritize that. But I would go to like uh, stores like Foot Locker and Champs and or actually I don't even know if there was a Champs. I think it was like Athlete's Foot and stuff yeah, back yeah. then. I would go to the mall after school and uh, try on the sneakers. And then when I would try, I would try them on in Dream, right? And then yeah. I would steal the little tags. You remember how they used to come with like uh, little tags that had like information on like Air Max and it would show like the little blueprint cutout of the shoe. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it would just show like everything <laughs> that the shoe is made of, all the different layers. I would steal those and just collect them and just, you know, just have them aside. And I don't know. I mean, no know what I did to them, but that yeah, was yeah, basically yeah. like my, my entry point into just my passion for sneakers as a kid. I mean, and then obviously it changed a little bit later when, you know, I got older and, you know, I got a job. Yep. So that's, that's kind of where it that's started. A, that's <laughs> Awesome,
0: man. I mean, that's, it's so funny cause like we all do have such similar, you know, entry points in, right. It's like, I, I remember I, the kid that had, you know, the Joe in my life was named Jr. and he had every Jordan release it was like, you know, every new, like Chicago colorway every year, always like, and then his little brother would have him too. So it was like, we were just always surrounded by the kids that had them. And I was, I was the same way. Like I would just be like drooling, you know, on my desk looking at, <laughs> at what they were doing. Yeah. So I, I actually am curious, like, did you, so I was never really like, like talented when it came to drawing or an artist, but my brother who like, you know, he and I would spend hours drawing these shoes back in the day. He's, you know, now, you know, went through school and got a fine arts degree and now just finished a, you know, a um, what, what did he do? Like a, I'm drawing a blank, but, oh, uh, like transportation design, I think he's in now. Like he just finished and got another degree. So he's kind of, still on that path of, you know, the drawing has always been a thing for him. Was it like a thing for you too? Cause I I know you like, I know you kind of also got into hip hop, graffiti, that type of stuff in the Bay area too. So was there art like, were you already drawing prior to that? And it was just like, Oh, sneakers was dropped into that, you know, world for you or. What was that like sneakers
1: was sneakers was really just like the first thing I remember doodling. Like as a kid, it was just really a doodle. It wasn't like, I wasn't super passionate about it. Like I wouldn't go home and draw. I would literally just sketch things in class. Um, You know, graffiti would probably be the next thing that kind of came of that. Um, But when it came to like, you know, graphics and design and stuff, it was more when the computer age hit. Like I wasn't, I'm not a talented, you know, artists as far as drawing, like, I don't know, my, my dad's an architect. He's an amazing, you know, artist, but I just didn't get
0: that. (laughs) I mean, you definitely, you definitely got some of it though, because you, you know, I guess this is, this is jumping ahead quite a bit, but like the creativity and the, the, the love and energy that you put into the trophies for your classic sleigh ride car show is like. I know that anybody that listens to this that's been to the event or cosign like that is hands down the coolest always it's all like you always level up somehow you're always like bringing things in that like we all have these connections around and i think like that creativity is is, is art in itself man so like i i think that you know from me my perspective like you know i don't have that to to any level right like i just it just doesn't work that way my brain is more like just write it out man like just write it out (laughs) put it into sentences and then it'll somehow work but i I um, think
1: that i think that that aspect i appreciate that man because i'm glad that you see it um and i think what it is really is just it, it stems back to the whole wearing a uniform and trying to be different with a sneaker like that that it's the same thing i mean with classic, I mean, we might get into that a little bit later, but it, the whole the whole community built around that is because of, you know, wanting to be a little bit different than the next person. Um, and I think that's why I'm, I've always been so passionate about things like sneakers and fashion and music, because those are the little things that you can kind of grab onto and express yourself versus, you know, or express yourself in a positive way. And then obviously as I've gotten older, realize that I get to connect with amazing people like yourself and, you know, everyone else that I've met just doing random things.
0: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it is really kind of fascinating, you know, like how, I guess like kind of talked about it before we started recording, but just like how all these different worlds overlap so much and how it's, it's really cool to like, especially like just seeing you have a presence in these different places, you know, and, and I re- I, I'm really I just basing it off of my experience and like people know that I'm into cars, but, but it's very segmented. Like the people that know me and the car stuff, I've known for a really long time because I was big on the message boards in the early years of like the Honda scene, right? And mm-hmm. I kind of like prided myself on that stuff But, but I didn't talk sneakers on those in those places. So like the sneaker thing kind of came after that for me in a, in a like a professional sense, but then like, you know, you end up finding out years later too, that like all these guys that you'd been talking to about car stuff for years are also big into sneakers and, you know, like graffiti and hip hop and, and so many, just so many things. But, I guess like uh, like a little bit later, you know, when you mm-hmm. maybe like high school college when you start like buying your own shoes, what were kind of like the the things that stand out for for you memories wise?
1: Um so those were those were the glory days, man. Like I I I I'll, I'll remember the first the first thing I remember is when I got a good job, you know, I got into wireless, the wireless industry and I started making money, you know, I was in management, I didn't have a lot of responsibilities. I mean, I didn't have any kids at the time and I had extra money to blow. And I remember I was big into eBay and somehow, um, the Jordan 4, um, black cement came up, right? The, um, cement force. And I was like, wow, you know, I I hadn't, keep in mind, I hadn't been following sneakers this whole time, you know, since I was a kid till then. I hadn't, I mean, I've seen them, but didn't really, I wasn't buying. But now I had a little bit of extra money. I had like a little bit in my PayPal and, and the cement force came up on, uh, on, on eBay. And I was like, 90 bucks? Shoot, let's do it. So I, I paid PayPal the guy 90 bucks and then I got him. And I just, all the feelings came back, man. Like when I was a kid, I was like, this is the shoe I used to draw. This is the shoe that Joe used to pop the airsole in while we were in class. And like... It just felt great right so I I wore that pair like every single day because that was a time where I just wore the same pair every day so I wore them every day and I remember one of my roommates um, from Stockton he he came down to visit me and he saw the shoes like on the porch outside and he goes dude those are fake and I'm like fake what do you mean fake like they're just they're re-releases he's like no they're fake he's like let me guess you got them from China they came in a box the box was all crumbled I was like thinking back and I was like you know, you're right. <laughs> He's like, and you probably only paid like 50 or a hundred bucks. And I was like, yeah, I paid, I paid 90 bucks shipped. And then he was just like, yeah, they're fake. And my, I was crushed. I was like, what do you mean fake? And I just, I couldn't let it go. Um, and so after that, um, I started paying more attention to sneakers because after I had a fake pair, I was like, I got duped. Let me figure out how to get a real pair. So I start looking yeah. And then I'm on eBay, like, just looking at different sneakers, you know. And and from there, I start to say, okay, well, I'm not going to buy fakes anymore. So I start going to Foot Locker and, and getting whatever I could get. And that's kind of how my re reintroduction to sneakers started. And then somehow, I mean, I guess it was more a sign of the times. Like, I, I started getting on Nike Talk and ISS and NSB.org. Somehow, I just found a dunk somewhere. I think... I think I saw someone wearing the Tiffany dunks somewhere. Um, I don't remember if it was at the mall or whatnot. And so I, I just started Googling, you know, Tiffany dunk and what was it? And I just, that was one of the first dunks I remember just really coveting. And then that's where the hunt started, man. I mean, from there, it was just like wildfire. I started, you know, going to the lake, local skate shop and... You know, schmoozing with the owners and you know the whole bit, but that that was, those are probably some of my best like early early memories as far as reintroduction into sneakers more as like a collector.
0: Yeah, how how did that you know like, I guess how how did you end up getting into the cleaning aspect of it with Soulworks later on down the road? Was it was it something you just were doing with your own stuff, and you're like, I could probably do this for other people, or or were you actually thinking like oh I, so, I like doing this like how did that all happen cuz i'm always fascinated by that specific thing because like i don't i just wrote about it actually uh yesterday or day before cuz like i don't clean my shoes like i'm i'm like a a bad sneakerhead you know when it comes to this stuff like i just <laughs> you know and and you you cleaned some shoes for me when i was living in la and like i'm so grateful for people that do that stuff because one, like I see it and I'm so intimidated by even going down that path because I don't want to mess it up. But um, so, how, how did you, you know, get into that whole side of this thing? Because obviously, that's a, a really interesting connection to the sneaker world that I don't think a lot of people realize there's like a, a still a big opportunity there for a lot of people.
1: There's a, there's a huge opportunity. Um, let me fill in the gap a little bit. So I'm collecting sneakers, you know, I one after the other. I start falling in love with not just, you know, Jordans and SBs. And I just went crazy. Like every single brand, you know, I managed to get about 325 pairs. So I had a, a fairly large collection with like just everything under the sun at the time Um that, you know, I, I paid retail or, you know, Nike outlet prices for every single one of them. Um, and then, you know, obviously, just like with everyone, life kind of changes. I, you know, started talking to my wife and, oh, well, my my girlfriend at the time, and then moved down to LA, brought my whole collection with me, and then we were planning for a wedding. And I started looking at all the stuff I had collected through the years, you know, Volk racing rims, you know, just various car parts, shoes, and saying, okay, what do I really need, and what I what do I not need, and You know, anything that I thought was, like, expendable at the time, um, I basically got rid of. So I sold my whole sneaker collection, about, I would say, a good 90% of it. I kept, like, some of my favorites, like, my Tiffany's and some other ones that I really, like, treasured. Um, But I got, you know, I, I just loaded them up into my SUV and dumped the whole collection. And sold all my car parts, my camera, my bike, everything um, just to kind of streamline what I owned. I mean, I was moving in a different direction. I wanted to be responsible, start a family and, you know, we needed funds for the wedding. And that was the quickest and most efficient way to get the money without, you know, taking a loan out or anything. Um, and it felt kind of good to kind of cleanse and just get rid of stuff like old, yes. old stuff that you don't need. Um, and so obviously with that said, um, you know, there's, okay, well now we've had an amazing wedding. I wore my Tiffany dunks and then I come back home and I only have like 10 pairs of shoes left. And so it's like, now I'm a different person. I don't have as much expendable income because now, you know, I have a daughter, I have a son on the way and I don't want to tap into my day jobs income to get sneakers. Right. So like I 200 bucks or at the time, maybe 150 bucks was a lot of money to try to sell yeah. to my wife, you know, when we're trying to pay rent and feed the kids. Yeah. So I had to get really creative, um, as far as, okay, do I want to still continue collecting sneakers? And if so, how do I get the money to actually afford these things without hindering my income from, for my family? So I, I started looking at used because I remembered, you know, building from the car scene, I would buy used parts all the time. And sometimes they'd be dirty, sometimes they'd be broken. And so I learned to kind of just refurbish and start cleaning. So for me, getting into cleaning and restoration, it was more like, okay, I found these, you know, Jordan Fours for 25 bucks on Craigslist. And I bought them for 25 bucks and then just literally scrubbed them down, you know, took the dirt off and maybe touched up a couple spots with like a Sharpie. And then the shoe looked like really good again like at least wearable and then i would get tired of the shoe and okay put it up for trade then i would trade that shoe for something else and so then my wife starts looking at what i'm doing and she's just like where'd you get those well i just traded you know and then so from there it kind of like sparked something in me where i was like hey there's something here like if somebody's willing to let go of a sneaker for super cheap and i can figure out how to make it look really good not only can I enjoy it for a little bit, but when I get tired of it I can flip it and get something that I want next. So fast forward, you know, a couple years, I rebuilt my whole collection that you see behind me just purely off trades. And obviously Christmas gifts and and anniversary gifts that my wife got me, you know, through the years, but for the most part that that um method of like getting a super cheap shoe repairing it and then flipping it or enjoying it and then flipping it. That's where SoulWorks really started from. Um, and then, so fast forward a couple of years later, you know, I'm going through, I mean, you've been in wireless, so, you know, like the ups yeah. and downs of just any sales, right? So wireless yep. has changed so much. Like it used to be a very like high profile job. And now it's obviously just a retail clerk, right? So, yeah,
0: i had to it is crazy though like i was gonna say like so like do you know like like time uh like what year are you talking because i mean obviously i worked in wireless in like the i guess late 90s early 2000s when it was like you know five bucks for text messaging plan would get me paid 20 type of thing and (laughs) then it you know it it obviously shifted a, a, a lot but like that whole era of like trading sneakers too was like it, it changed drastically once i think you know once everything kind of opened up on the internet and it was less about yeah. forums and and more still more about community because you could find people like you can still find people to trade now but there's like this sweet spot of like i don't know i would say like i don't know maybe it's like 2005 to 2015 that like 10 year spot of like where you where like sneakers was so focused on the internet side of sneakers was so focused on community and connecting with people, which I would assume is like, that's where somewhere in that range is where you're, you know, kind of beginning into that trading element. I love that though, because it's almost like, it reminds me of like the, it reminds me of the, you know, the, like, sell me this pen thing. Right. And then it's like, mm-hmm. well, go trade that pen up. Like, just, I'm going to give you something that's worth next to nothing you go sell it to the next person. And as somebody that works in sales or has worked in sales, like it's like, it's gotta feel even more special to look at your collection and be like, knowing that you put in all the work to get to that point too, I think, which is something that like we could get into a little later, I guess, but, um, so I don't, I guess like, go ahead, continue on. I, yeah, the, I, I kind of cut you off. Yeah,
1: you're, you hit, you hit, <laughs> you actually spoke, you, you hit the nail on the head like 2005 to 2015. So I got rid of my collection in 2012. Um, okay. So I think as far as like trading, I was trading from, you know, early on, basically from the start, but it got a little bit more meaningful once I started to be more creative about how do I not use my own money to acquire things that I, that are really great. Um, so that was around 2012 to about 2015, 16, maybe a little bit of 17. And that's kind of where, so in 2017, the market shifted, you know, our commission structure was just cut. I mean, because the market was so saturated competition was great. Sales just wasn't what it was, you know, in in the 2000, mid two thousands or even prior to that. Um, so then I start, Saying, wow, you know, I I start trying to look elsewhere. Like, okay, maybe sales, maybe retail is not for me. I jumped into B two B, and I took an acting position. I was super excited. Like, my life, I knew my life was going to change at that point um, for the better. And so I went all into this acting position, which there was no guarantee of how long I was going to take that position. So I took it for you know, I, I want to say maybe three to four months, I was covering for someone that was like on leave. And yeah. I embodied that position just completely. Like I was deep into reading books, podcasts. I started, you know, that, that was probably when I first started listening to podcasts. Um, but I was so focused on learning this whole new side of the business um, that I knew there was just no turning back. And then what ended up happening is the person that I was covering for came back from leave and that position was basically just, you know, you got to go back. That, that was my only option. Yeah. And so it was like I had a carpet pulled on, un- a rug pulled from under me. And I was, I went into like a weird funk because I had went all in, in this small little period of time. And I took a big hit financially because the transition from retail to B2B, you know, the pay was ended up being less because there was no more overtime i was more not salary but i was more you know just like set hours and so my family started to suffer and i went into like a little bit of a depression because coming back from that position back into retail you know there was like a month i think where i didn't even get paid commission and you know just as much as i do commission is the bulk of your pay so it's like there was a point where we just defaulted on a lot of financial things that we should just couldn't because i couldn't come up with the money and that's where soulworks was born so at that point i i remember i we had no money in our account like we were literally negative negative. and you know my wife is super supportive but at the same time it's like we were going through it because we have kids and we have responsibilities yeah so i i I don't know at what point it was but i just basically woke up one day and said you know what i'm gonna stop being depressed and i'm going to just do the grimiest job i could think of and just clean shoes and charge people to do it and so i literally just went on ig created an account thought of a name and just like next day i was marketing to my coworkers saying hey dude your shoes are dirty like i'll clean them for you just pay me and, uh, that was, that was my turning point. So that's where I said, okay, all this stuff that I've learned in sneakers and learned in working in retail and working in management, like I'm going to use it and apply it towards this newfound passion because even if it's just $10 a to- at a time or 15 bucks at a time, like I'm going to try to make that money and see where it takes me. So that's, that was the, that's basically the gap between collecting sneakers and Um, actually kind of using using my skills towards something that was going to actually get me paid
0: yeah yeah it's crazy too because i mean like i started you know brought back this outside the box podcast to talk about i guess like the more of the process and the work behind all these things that people see right because you know, we all have the tendency to only share the good things on our social media because that's when we're excited to share. And I didn't really intend for this podcast to get as deep into these kind of challenging moments um, as it has. But every, every conversation I've had so far is, is very similar, right? Like, it's like, you know, uh, losing a job, losing, you know, like switching back and losing income. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like this repeated story. Right. And, and it's so beautiful to me because I'm, I'm basically in that same point right now. And I'm like, hoping that like these things, you know, jumpstart something new for me in my life by having these conversations and sharing this content. But like, it's, it's also like really cool to, you know, uh, it's, it's cool to me to have everybody that's come on, including yourself, be so open and about sharing that because you know, it's challenging stuff to talk about to begin with, let alone to like, put it out there, you know, in front of however many people end up watching or listening to this. And like, look, we were were going through it. And I don't know if that's, you know, part of that might be because, you know, we're all kind of looking at like, Coronavirus in this last year or so of like, hey, we've all been going through it. Let's let's kind of deal with these things. Because I'm sure like, you're, you're probably, you know, typically come from the same background as me. where like, you know in the family you don't necessarily talk about that stuff right and like with your friends you're mm-hmm. you're trying to have fun or do you know like you're living a different life and you don't get into those things as much and you know it's 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 like relationships always are a talking point right like it's always you know you always find those friends coworkers that you can bounce relationship challenges conversations off of but in terms of just like the real stuff that's really challenging. I'm not saying that like relationships aren't always a breeze, but like the the internal stuff of like, wow, this is like really tough times. And I think that's such an awesome thing to be able to like talk to you about and, and you know, to be able to continue to have these conversations with people where it's like, wow, like to be able to, to, to say like, you know, look, tomorrow's the day, like, you know, I got to start doing this differently is, is really powerful because I think we all are always, not always, but we're always, you know, we all go through those moments of like, you know, however long it is for you. Right. Everybody has it. And sometimes it's days, weeks, months, years, like, it just depends, you know? And and then eventually it's, you know, some, some something snaps and clicks and it's like, okay, well, like, this is, this isn't like tomorrow's a new day and we're going to start. And I'm, I'm, you know, like, obviously like, I don't know when we ended up meeting in person the first time, but like, I feel like we've kind of, we've, like I said, at the beginning, we've probably been, you know, I mean, even just like, we haven't even talked about car stuff, but I guarantee you we were at the same (laughs) shows for years. Right. Without, you know, or even like, like dunk exchange back in the day, like maybe cow Mm palace, right. Like that stuff was like a norm for all of us that were into sneakers throughout the Bay area. Right. So, um, yeah. it's, it's really cool though. And, and like, so with SoulWorks, like, I know, like it started off with kind of like the cleaning thing seems like you've, you've kind of taken it and, you know, done, I guess a little bit deeper dives, restorations, that kind of stuff. How, how does that mm-hmm. all kind of play into where you're at now with, with that part of what you do?
1: So it started off with just cleaning, right? Like a quick way to just make money. Um, and obviously the word cleaning is so broad right so people yeah. would start sending me pictures of shoes they wanted cleaned yet it was like a jordan 4 you know white cement with yellow netting and sole separation and you know i started to realize really quickly that just putting water and soap in a brush to a shoe is not necessary cleaning right like there's more that needs to be done to make it look good and You know, when I started doing my, you know, just general cleanings of shoes, um, you know, I I got super critical of myself saying, hey, you know, this, I don't like this. I don't like how this came out or, um, you know, I screwed this part up. And so that was a big risk because there was a lot of pressure to restore a shoe for someone. I mean, I started off with like, at the time it was Ultra Boost and NMDs, which were like pieces of cake, right? But then I started getting Jordans and Jordans are not very easy to work with, especially when you're looking at like 10 year old retros or or even older than that. Um, yeah. And so kind of lost my train of thought. But as far as like from the customer standpoint, when they see the before and afters, like they're thinking, oh, OK, he just like scrubbed it down and then here it is. But in the middle of that, there was things that I had to learn. So that's where it kind of catapulted from, OK, there's just cleaning and then now there's also restoration. And to be honest, I was just looking at making a quick buck at the time because I really needed it. So I didn't really want to do restoration. I told myself, one, I'm not confident enough because I tried doing midsole repaints and things like that myself and re-glues. Mm-hmm. And I would just fail at every single one. Um, so I was super scared to like take that path because I knew where it was going to lead. And it was going to lead to me screwing up someone's shoes, um, like royally. And it's happened multiple times. But um, I, I'll never forget it. it was the first, it was like an Air Max 90 fly knit infrared. And I was like, okay, well, this one's pretty easy. Like it's going to be a piece of cake, 15 bucks. You know, I'll, I'll just knock it out. Threw them in the washer. And what I didn't know was that the, the infrared paint on like the, the overlay, I assumed that it was just like part of the overlay, like the color. But when I yeah. washed the shoe, the paint came off. And I was just like, holy crap. Like, what do I do? And I was stressed out. You know, I told my wife, you know, like, and she looked at it and was just like, well, what can you do? And I was like, the only thing I think I can do is paint it. And I suck at painting. So I contacted the customer and just was completely like upfront, like, yo, dude, uh, my bad. (laughs) Um, but good news is I ordered the paint. It's coming tomorrow. You know, I'll paint it. And then, you know i went down that path so then from painting moved to gluing moved to like deeper things that were started to be you know i so i started putting all these little skills under my tool belt and then i got a little bit more confident after that um so that's where it led from you know just cleaning to now it's it's more restoration i mean as as far as where it's going and you know to be completely honest i don't know i mean uh the account's still there Um, you know, we, we can actually get into like the, the middle ground of, of then and now, but, um, I, what I, what I originally envisioned was to do, um, almost like a Jason Mark, but maybe with a little bit more, you know, more focused on restoration. Um, but obviously there's a lot of factors involved in, in that because there's a lot, there's a lot more risk than just cleaning. Um, yeah, yeah, that's. So right now at this point, like I'm probably going to relaunch and just work, you know, create a workspace uh, maybe here at home and then just start. I want to start with a really narrow focus as far as like the services that I offer, because it's it's really, really difficult to just accept everything. I mean, I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the biggest challenges is like i said like a lot of people just don't realize when you say clean a shoe you know there's just so much more that goes into to restoring a shoe to make it look as good as new
0: yeah i mean and just like thinking i never really thought about that but like once you started talking about the difference between like nmds ultra boost and like jordan's right the the intricacies are so drastically different through the jordan line comparatively right it's like i mean i i think both of those all those shoes are great but like thinking about like like a jordan 4 it, it's got to be so much more work not not to mention like paint cracking and all the things that happen to that shoe where an ultra boost or an nmd it's very basic in a sense of like what you can even do to it or 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 whatnot mm-hmm. but so I guess like to fill in that gap between, you know, SoulWorks beginning and and SoulWorks where it's headed, you obviously, you know, uh, I guess became partners and opened a consignment store, which I think Mm -hmm. like that in itself, you know, for people listening, I'm really looking forward to talking about this because I think like that's such a, a huge undertaking. So how did that whole opportunity with United Kicks even come about?
1: So as I, as I progress, right. Um, You know, I'm, I'm just doing, I'm doing soul works out of my bathtub, out of my bathroom. We, we completely converted the bathroom into like a workshop, which, sorry, babe, I, I feel really bad because the bathroom was filthy. Uh It just definitely wasn't sanitary. And I knew that at some point I'd have to figure out like, you know, this just can't happen in my house because the shoes are grimy. Right. So. Um, I had some coworkers, um, MJ and Dom who had approached me. So they were, they got into like the resale game and they were stacking up like inventory and reselling sneakers kind of just as for fun, like, you know, on on the side. And, um, they were in the process of actually opening up a sneaker consignment shop. And so they approached me with the opportunity to kind of link up with them, you know, as a partner. And, and then I said, sure, as long as there's an opportunity for shoe cleaning. Um and you know they they obviously knew that, you know, I, I was already doing that and and that I, I was uh, somewhat knowledgeable about like sneakers and sneaker collecting and stuff, so it was a good fit. Um so we kind of linked up, joined forces, and um just started this whole passion project of, of of opening up a consignment shop. They had already found a location. Um so really all I had to do was just kind of implement you Know whatever knowledge I had and, and just help them out with, um, you know, setting up the sneaker cleaning aspect of it, um, and just whatever else we could with marketing. I mean, it was kind of every man just jumped in and, and did what they could for that,
0: yeah. So that's, I mean,
1: that's that's kind of how that started.
0: Did, did you so, so I guess, like, for people that aren't familiar, like United Kicks is in Corona, mm-hmm. correct? So I guess like let's like we should probably break that down even a little bit more because some people might not even know, like you hear Corona and it's like, oh, it's Southern California. But Corona is like a solid, like, I don't know what hour, hour and 20 minute drive from L.A., right? It's like I would say yeah. like very, very much like outskirts of L.A. suburbs, if you would call it that, or, or even Orange County suburbs, right?
1: Yeah. So Corona is really I mean, not a lot of people know where Corona is. They'll probably know where Riverside is. So that's the closest big city to where we're at. Um, but geographically, yeah, about an hour and 20 minutes away from LA and about an hour and 20 minutes away from San Diego. So we're smack dab like right in the middle. Um, it's a very interesting area because you got the Inland Empire, you have Riverside, San Bernardino, Chino. Um, and then, you know, down all the way to like Temecula, all the way down to San Diego. Um, but there's a ton of people out here and there really isn't very, you know, there's not a huge amount of stores as far as boutiques. I mean, there's, there's yeah. a handful of them, um, but, you know, Corona was kind of like, it, it was a big gap for, for that type of activity. Um, so it was a great, I mean, it was a great location, great opportunity, um, to just kind of put a community together. And I think that was one of the things that jumped at me when I was given the opportunity, you know, obviously, anyone that started a business you know that's the end goal right like you, you think when you when you start this business I want to have a shop like I want to you know experience um, you know like a baby of my own type so to speak yeah um, so that that's where that's where that opportunity was just like super exciting to me at the time because I was like wow this is this is it like I started in my bathroom and then now I have an opportunity. To actually work out of a like a legit workshop and and build yeah. a workspace that's specifically designed for cleaning and restoration, which I mean, we know Jason Mark and and we know that some other consignment shops had done it in the past, but you know, it was a good happy medium because our number one focus at United was consignment, right? That was our product because we didn't have a hundred thousand dollars to invest in just inventory. We were gonna sell our product, and our product was Convincing people to consign, and then doing the legwork for them—you know, basically um, selling their sneakers—and we couldn't just do new. Um, so obviously, used was going to be a big part of our consignment, which excited me even more because of where I came from and and my passion for used sneakers and. Then obviously the cleaning tied into that as well because it's like, okay, well, you bring me your shoes, you want to consign them, shop ABC is going to refuse those sneakers because there's gum on the bottom or there's stains on the upper. But if you bring it to us, not only are we going to be a little bit more competitive, but we can actually ref we can clean your sneakers. And then we can charge you and then just take it off your consignment fee. So it was kind of like a match made in heaven. Um, you know, when when we started figuring all these little pieces of the puzzle out.
0: Yeah, that's kind of awesome. I didn't really think about that. I mean, until you kind of said that, like, I, I obviously knew you were doing that when, when I, when I came to visit the shop and stuff and we talked, but no. like, didn't really connect until right now because it's kind of crazy to think like, you know, and you see it online, right? Like me and my experience at StockX, you know, one of the things that we went back and forth on for months, maybe even years was like, do we do use shoes? Right. Because Mm -hmm. Goat did use shoes, right? eBay did use shoes. And like, at the time, you know, like, we're trying to find our kind of lane in that whole secondary market. Um, But like, at the same time, we were also, you know, like the focus was making it like a stock market, right? So it's really kind of interesting to, to be able to like, like one, the location, you know, there's no, you know, like there's Jason Mark and Sneaker Lab, like downtown LA, there's a couple of those, you know, spots in Orange County that people could get to, and there's not a whole lot going on in San Diego in in terms of that kind of stuff, boutique Mm -hmm. or, or even like the cleaning service. Right. I know like my buddy, Justin's store prospected, you know, cleaning service through sneaker lab and, and like, you know, a partnership there, but like, there just wasn't a whole lot of that, you know, to, to the point of like the location and, and, and then taking it a step further, I'm just curious, like, did you guys like ever. something I've always wondered about when, when like partnerships happen, but like, did you guys talk about like with so much excitement in just like getting involved and moving forward, right? Like, I feel like I would be exactly the way you were in that. It's like, I I think we've talked about it even, right? Like at the end of the day, like if you're a sneaker person, you've kind of always had some, you know, back of the mind dream of, of opening your own store or something Mm -hmm. like that. Right. And, um, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's more like, I guess that dream for me would be to open the store, to kind of showcase what I appreciate about shoes, not necessarily what I want to sell or what I, you know, I don't think of it as like, I just want to do the same old store. Right. It's like, really, it's like, it's, it's like the personal stories for me or like the people that I would get involved in the store. But did you guys talk about, as you started that, like, the direction, you know, that it would go, like, was the conversation around cleaning and stuff from the get go, like, in terms of like, how do I add this on and take a piece, you know, take like my, you know, commission or you know whatever the pay is for this out of their hmm. um, consignment fees, and then like, did you also think about like or talk about, you know, I guess like future stuff, like where where you wanted to go with the store in terms of like physical location or multiple locations and all of that stuff too or how what was that kind of what were those kind of conversations like
1: so the biggest thing with with any partnership is communication right like i was in constant communication with my partners about what we're doing now what we're doing later um we had endless plans for a lot of things um we all come, kind of come from the same background as far as, you know, work experience, management experience. I mean, we were on the same page a hundred percent when it came to customer experience, um, you know, aesthetics and things like that. Like what we want, what we envisioned from the, the moment a customer walked into the store until, you know, the, the point where they purchased or they got their shoes back from cleaning. Um, a lot of it though, just kind of like the whole cleaning, you know, taking consignment or taking a fee off the consignment that kind of came with like just experience because we start thinking, Hey, we're cleaning these shoes or we're getting these shoes in and they're dirty and we're not going to sell it dirty. Like we've been to stores where they, uh, what are they, what do you call it? Like they shrink wrap the sneakers and they're on the shelf and then you pick the shoe up and there's like, you know, bird poop on the bottom of the shoe. And that's just like, you know, obviously we were very sensitive to aesthetics and cleanliness and things like that. Um, But yeah, no, we, we definitely were in constant communication about, you know, what, what we're doing, how we can improve. Um, and then just basically going through the motion. But at the same token, we're all new to running a business. So everything just started, you know, just happening so quickly that we just really kind of had to focus on what was important at the time. And then a lot of our downtime where we were like cleaning shoes and doing stuff in the back is when we would discuss like, Hey, you know, there's this idea and that idea. Um, so that's, yeah, that, so to answer your question, yeah, we did a ton of planning. We had to because otherwise, you know, there's no, it was really, it was going to be really difficult to move forward.
0: Yeah. So, so like, what was the, I guess like the timeline of like how long did it take or, what was the process of even just getting the store like ready for the public to, 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 to come, you know, and, and maybe like if there's anything in there that you could talk about, about, you know, some of the challenges that come with that. Right. Because I think, I think a lot of people think like, Hey, I just want to do this. Here's the 10 things on my list to do and it's going to be done. But I'm, I'm sure that's not exactly how it goes.
1: Yeah. So, When you think of opening a business, obviously there's the textbook, right? Like you can Google how to open a business and it starts with like, create a solid business plan and create a vision and then kind of go from there. It doesn't really work like that, man. I mean, when they asked me to get on board, so so actually they asked me to get on board prior to them signing the lease. And at the time I just wasn't in, I I didn't have like the mental capacity to say, Hey, yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. Like it's a lot involved signing a lease, you know, planning out, you know, the future and coming up with finances. I mean, at the time, like I said, when I started SoulWorks, I had no money and I was just trying to get my footing, um, you know, to kind of get back into, into the swing of things. So I just, wasn't, um, I wasn't financially equipped to invest in, especially in sales, um, or in, in, in resell because I was more like service-based. I just wanted to clean shoes, make that buck and then kind of move forward. But, a couple months afterwards, after they had initially approached me, um, they had already signed the lease. So they had signed the lease and they were literally like painting the walls. And I, I, we were driving by. My wife and I were just happened to be in the area and we drove by and I was like, Hey, let's stop and just look, right? Let's just look and see what they're doing. Say what's up. So we literally just, you know, drove by, looked at the spot and I was like, wow, that's a huge space. And you know, they were in the process. So I was like, hey, you guys need help? And so the next day I was there helping them paint. And so that's kind of how that's kind of how it, it started. So that I think that was um January, March. I think that was like late February, maybe March or around March, um, when they were doing the uh, the the painting and stuff. And then I jumped on board literally like the next day. So our first day open was April 1st. So within a month is, you know, from that point on, we had to basically create the store layout, you know, what we wanted, um, set up all the utilities, you know, um, phone line, uh, electricity, internet, um, you know, and we were literally just, Trying to find fixtures anywhere we could, like on offer up and Craigslist, just trying to get, you know, secondhand stuff because obviously it's a big investment to try to get, you know, displays and things. I mean, keep in mind, we didn't start this business with like, you know, a hundred or 200 grand, like you're supposed to, right? The inventory is just stuff that Dom and MJ have been collecting for, for months, maybe years and just been stacking because they knew that this was their end goal. And the stuff that, you know, I, I was able to contribute was stuff that I had been saving up, you know, and materials and supplies that I had been, you know, using in my bathroom. So it was a lot of it was just, you know, trying to put together something that we were really satisfied with, at least to start, knowing that we would reuse the funds from, you know, our profit would be just reinvested back into the business going forward. And then, yeah, so we started off with, like, a really simple setup, and then, you know, the minute we started, you know, the minute we opened, we started, you know, just reinvesting and upgrading things as as
0: needed. How, how many, you know, just out of curiosity, how many pairs did you have, you know, like, at, at one time? Like, you know, I know, like, walking into the store, like, you see the wall, and you're like, damn, there's a lot of shoes in here. But like, it's hard. (laughs) You know, like I think even like when I came and checked it out originally, it was like when I walked into the back, it was like, whoa, this is like, this is way more. Like, there's way more to this than what you see. Even though you're seeing this wall full of shoes and you get the googly eyes and like you're excited to be in it and the vibe and you guys always had good music. Like it was just like, like you know where you want to walk into a store, right? But then like when I walked into the back and got to see like your workspace, got to see the inventory, those types of things kind of like also hit me as like, damn, there's, you know, like, I don't know, like just a lot more responsibility to this business than just what you see from the front. So like yeah. how many pairs and and maybe even like, w- what kind of numbers in terms of like, just how many cleanings you had to do through a week? Cause I think people don't understand like the workload that comes with saying, hey, pull, this, pull the light switch we're on like open for business, right? Like that's, that's one thing, but like getting through that work is, is another, right?
1: So it, it's a lot. And when you ask about, um, you know, what we expected obviously, and what we didn't expect, I mean, there was, there was a lot that we expected. There was, we knew that it was going to be a lot of work, right? We knew that, you know, obviously the setup and, you know, the painting and the physical labor, and then, What I think some of the unexpected things were things like inventory management. Um, when you think of consignment shop, which is, you know, selling used goods or selling goods for other people, there's a whole, uh, like this could be a whole other podcast, but there's a whole plethora of layers that, that's involved in that because one, you're responsible for the sneakers and the, and the, and the items, right? So then it's like, well, how do you ensure that if something were to happen, you know, whether from us handling it or theft or whatever, how do you ensure yeah. that, that's, that the that the buyer or that the the, the customer is protected and that we're protected. Um, so there was a lot of discussion around insurance and trying to find the right insurance company that would even mess with us because most companies were like, what's consignment? You know, at least at the time it was a pretty vague thing for insurance companies um so that was one thing and then obviously there's no handbook you like if you were to open up let's say a wing stop there's a handbook on how to open up a wing stop you invest the money and there's there's things in place for you know a consignment shop in general there's no handbook and then for for to take it to another level for a sneaker consignment shop there definitely is like we were just reaching out to whoever we could like locally and, and, and just ran, I would randomly DM other shops say, what do you guys do about this? What do you guys do about that? So from, and that was just for the consignment and sales aspect of it. That didn't even factor in, well, what about a shoe cleaning store? Because there's a bunch of cobblers, you know, there's like every town has like one old cobbler that's been there forever. Yeah. But Most people that do cleaning and restoration are literally just working out of their bathroom or their garage. So there's no processes in place. Um, there's no, you know, it, it was a lot of like networking with people and just getting ideas and, and trial and error. Um, I don't know if that answers your, what, what you were kind of saying, but yeah. So it was, it was really a lot that was going on all at once to try to, to try to figure out, but it's, it's good stuff because like now looking back it's like hey we can actually speak to that like we've had experience with like we've had run-ins with like weird things that went on that we didn't expect you know and yeah. I think sometimes sometimes there just has to be a good balance of like execution and planning like I think that's one of the biggest things that I learned is you can't just plan but then you can't just execute because it, it just can get really crazy really fast dealing with all this stuff
0: yeah, I mean, it makes me kind of wonder, too, like one of the things that I always think about when I walk into and maybe this is just because I'm I'm relating it to like like recently talking about skate shops and the nature of a skate shop where like you'll walk into a store and there's no one there. Right. But like, obviously, you guys are trying to do the exact opposite of that. Right. You're you're trying to have like that, like conversation right off the bat. You know, knowing your sales background too, right? Like that's how it works, right? Like you want to build rapport with somebody as soon as you possibly can, right? It's like, you know, you're complimenting the Giants hat, or or you know, talking about the Kobe jersey they're wearing, or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, like, you know, I guess like even like like just scheduling, I'm sure it was challenging. Or were there like how did you even kind of figure out like okay, who, who's gonna who's gonna man this? for this time where like, was that something that you end up using, like some sort of scheduling tool? Or is it just like, you know, you're trying to figure it out as you go. And like, like, was there like a good solution to that? I mean, this is just my personal curiosity, I guess, but.
1: The best solution is just communicating and there's a lot of give and take. And there's a lot of like, I think when the, the, when you have a solid foundation, as far as a partnership, you just really have to have everyone's back because at the end of the day, we're working towards the same thing. Um, With that said, I mean, two out of the three of us at the time had full-time retail jobs. And so there was no set schedule. And it was really difficult to kind of figure out like, okay, who's going to be at the shop this day? Who's going to be at the shop that day? So really, you know, Dom who, you know, he had a more open schedule at the time. So he would really just wait on me and MJ to tell him like, hey, this is what my schedule is going to be this week. And then, oh shoot, it changed. So now we have to move this around. Um, and it was tough, but we, we, we got it, like we got it down to where there's not just work, there's not just things that you have to think about as far as like the shop, right? There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff, like managing inventory, um, like, uh, you know, contacting customers when they're when their shoes sold or contacting them when their shoes are cleaned. So we kind of jumped into our own individual roles and split the workload the best we could, you know, so, you know, if one of us couldn't really be at the shop a lot, they would do more back end work. Um and then for for like myself with the shoe cleaning, I mean, I really would just have to come in on my off time and which was sometimes at nine o'clock at night and then would work you know, as long as I could to finish up what I could. Or sometimes I would come in before my day job, you know, like at five or six in the morning and then work till like 10 or 11 and then shoot over to work the next day to get stuff done. Um, So there was just a lot of, it was difficult to manage, especially in our situations where none of us could really be there full time because we had a lot of other things going on. Um, But I guess that's kind of, that's kind of one of the interesting things about, running a business, right? Like you have this big responsibility, but at the same time you have freedom to kind of adjust your schedule to, you know, to what it needs to be. Um, it's yeah. basically a 24 seven thing though.
0: Yeah. So did, you know, I guess how, how did, but on the consignment side of this, like, is that, I, I know like you guys, you know kind of obviously focus on the sneaker stuff because that's where you were coming into it but but obviously with consignment now and with streetwear and all these other brands that you know it's easy to say like supreme and stuff but like there's a lot of stuff out there that's relevant to the sneaker consumer that you guys ended up kind of opening up to and looking at as like hey if people want to sell it here they should sell it here kind of how, how did you guys end up like you know, opening up that like Pandora's box of like Mm. Supreme resale.
1: So that was kind of a, that was kind of a big, that was kind of a big thing for us because obviously it's not just like the culture is not just sneakers, right? It's, it's, you know, clothing and and hats and all the accessories that come along with it. Um, A lot of, we, we knew from the get go that we wanted to consign, consign more than just, you know shoes but obviously there was a lot of calculation involved with does it even make sense so initially we didn't consign products other than sneakers because we had calculated like profitability off of our consignment but it's really difficult to say hey there's this $20 supreme keychain you know we're going to sell it for 80 to make profit like it just didn't It didn't really make sense at first. So a lot of the initial product, like when we started was just stuff that we had purchased ourselves, like in-house. Um, and that way we can price it affordably and still profit from it. Um, but as we started to grow our customer base, we started getting, you know, people that would bring, you know, items in that they didn't want a whole lot for. Um, so at that point it made sense for us to start consigning things, you know, that were used or just stuff that they had just wanted to get their money back on. Um, So that's kind of how that, that, that little section started to grow. And it was good because then we had like almost a complete package. You know, you you talk about it all the time with like Foot Locker. It's like, you're buying shoes, but then you have to buy socks and you have to buy different things um, to kind of, you know, create that additional revenue stream for the business. Um, And at the same time, Supreme is an hour and a half away from Corona. Right. And, and so anyone that was in that vicinity, like we had people that I actually would come into the shop from out of state and like, Hey, you know, we were at Supreme yesterday and we had a cousin in Riverside and now we're here and all this stuff is here. That's cool. You know? So yeah, it, it definitely added a lot of value to, to the community that we were, that we were kind of building at the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I, that, that analogy is like, you know, it's priceless, man, because especially like, you know, whether any type of sales, right? Whether it's wireless or shoes or, you know, United Kicks stuff, like just being able to understand that, like, to make the most off of that customer, not in like a sleazy, cheesy, you know, like aggressive way, but just like, Hey, if that person's interested in something else in the store, you got to take advantage of them being in the store. Right. And I think that's something that's always kind of fascinated me in like, you know, so many of the the sneaker stores don't do that. Right. And yet, like, I mean, you could probably attest, like if, if you could sell that, you know, keychain along with that pair of shoes, Hey, there's way more profit sitting there, you know, at the end of the day, that's what you're, you're all shooting for. Right. So,
1: and, and that it just like, it was such a perfect combination because, you know, Dom and MJ and I, we were all in the same, like, we want to do what's best for people. But we've also had experiences at other like, you know, retailers and things where they were just weren't the best experience. And I think that's one of the things that is so appealing and unappealing about streetwear, like in sneakers in general, is that it's like this subculture where like at first, like you had to be really cool to be a part of it. Right. And sometimes like I know that if you walk into like like a location and you're not wearing the coolest shoes, like they're not gonna pay attention to you and they're just gonna ignore you and they're not gonna give you that great of an experience. But at the same time, like you could be this person that either A is into it and is just not showing it, right? Like the guy that goes to a car dealership and is all dressed down, or B, you could be brand new to this and you wanna get into it. And this could be your entry point. And if we give you a bad experience, then you're going to be like, well, maybe this is just not something I'm interested in. If the people that are partaking in this are like that. So we all, all three of us always had that in mind whenever someone walked through the door. Um, and so that was one of the things that I enjoyed the most because like the, it was all about the experience and a different experience, you know, that we could provide just based on, you know, how we feel the experience should be for, for something as coveted as sneakers or streetwear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with, with all of that said, like what, you know, what are like a couple of things that, you know, if you were to, to, to go back into this whole idea of opening a consignment store or resale shop or whatever you want to call it, what would you do differently? Like what were some of the things that you kind of think of like, like, damn, that was really good. And also on the flip side of like, well, that was like a crazy mistake. I don't ever want to repeat. <laughs>
1: um, I think you know, just to be completely honest, I think um, I would have tried to be a little bit more prepared financially because that was one of the big reasons why you know I, I had to kind of separate myself because obviously the pandemic hit. Um, we were in the middle of we were in the middle of a big move, you know, like a, a very positive one, one that we've been hoping for. But when the pandemic hit, there was just a lot of uncertainty. I mean, you experienced it. We've all experienced it. And at the time in my head, I kind of was weighing out like, okay, do I have, you know, do I have the passion to continue? Absolutely. 100%. You know, my partners are super supportive. You know, we, we, we had a lot of difficulties and, and challenges that we've made it through together, right? I want to continue this. The passion was definitely there. Uh, what it boiled down to though is that with, you know, Progressing, you need money. Like you, it, it's going to cost money to um, build the business and build it the right way. And so, if there was anything that I could do differently, it would just be try to have figured out a way to maybe been a little bit more financially prepared. And then, obviously, I I probably would have lessened some of my roles and responsibilities. I mean, obviously, when you're when you're when you're grinding hard for a business, you do everything you can, right? And there's I think one thing I would have done differently though, is maybe just got rid of some of the things that I was doing and focused that same energy into the things that were a little bit more important. So just kind of restructuring um, that aspect of it. Um, But I mean, other than that, I mean, it, the experience of, you know, having no money and then figuring out, Hey, I have this little skill set that I can use to get paid and, 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 put me in a better place. And then given the blessing of having an opportunity that's every sneakerhead's dream, right? To actually partake in a shop. And just for me personally, just my dream has always been to open up a business. But um, I think my biggest dream has always been to just build communities. I mean, that's kind of where I realized, okay, well, if this opportunity... You know is going to be on pause for me for now until we can kind of figure things out in a better space you know i don't want to just stop everything i'm doing i still want to continue because in everything i did or anything that i've tried to do in my life whether it was with cars or sneakers or just you know work in general um you know i've always gotten the most satisfaction from the communities that i built bringing people together um and I think that's kind of the biggest thing I've learned is that I've been able to catapult from one thing to the next and still keep, you know, still keep a sense of community around things. And one, it's great because of networking and connections. But I think the biggest thing is like me, you know, we talk a lot about mental health in these times, especially with COVID. Like that's my support system. Like anyone that's ever, you know, had a shoe clean for me or purchased a shoe on consignment or, um, you know put me on their podcast or just anything like that is stuff that really helps me mentally like keep going. And I think the more good things we do, you know, just as a society, whether it's sneakers or cars or bikes or whatever, I mean, we just got to keep doing good things. And eventually that, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, whether it's karma or whatever, like it's going to come back to you. And, you know, I've obviously, for the people listening they, they may or may not know that you know i've i've paused soulworks and kind of you know parted from united um and that definitely especially coming from someone that has such a you know big has always had a big drive to be an entrepreneur it's a dark place right like you you don't like to think about it talk about it you know but it's something that as people we all go through and i think this past year 2020 and going into this year a lot of people have been in a dark place. I mean, not, I would say everyone has been affected by something, whether it's loss or loss of a job or loss of a person, you know, or just, it's just crazy stuff. Right. And I think we all just need to have an avenue to kind of express that and maybe vent it out and help the next person. And I think if we keep doing that, you know, we'll, everyone will be good. But yeah, I mean, as far as, you know the business side of it, <clears throat> yeah. There's there's a lot I would have done differently, but the experience is priceless. Like everything that I've gained, and the you know, I I mean, now if someone were to ask me, hey, you know, I'm opening up a consignment shop, what did you do about a point of sale system? I mean, that's that's a whole other one-hour conversation of trying to figure out what makes sense. You know, um, yeah. So it's it's definitely, you know, to kind of tie it back in. Had I, had I never got into sneakers and got into, you know, restoration and got into, you know, my, my career as a retail and, you know, in wireless and then retail management, like all these little things that I've kind of jumped to in my life all ties into each other. And so I think, you know, as. As things start to crumble, so to speak, or things start to like just not make sense in your life, at some point something else will come along, and it'll just you'll be like, oh well, this is why all this stuff happened because now I know this, 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 and this, and everything just kind of connects, and you just move forward a little bit till the next thing happens.
0: (laughs) Yep, yep, yeah, man. I I mean, I 100% agree. I think that's kind of you know, like thinking about it too. Like you, you kind of alluded to it earlier you know, the community aspect, obviously for me, like, this is, this is like what drives me. Like, this is, you know, why I do the podcast, why, you know, I'm still like so heavily invested in the sneaker community with my time and energy because I get to meet people like you. And like, we've talked about it uh, like, you know, for the past two, three years where it's like, at some point, we're going to do something together (laughs) when the timing is right, we're going to do something together whether that's a business or or a project or whatever it is we know it's happening and i think like you 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 mentioned this earlier but like even when you don't realize it you're really like leaning on community right like like you said you know when you run into questions about shop stuff right like you're DMing other shops right and you're you're hitting people up that that are doing this stuff and i think that like the the perceptions going into this and like you know thinking about like do you want to open your own store right yes but like it's never your own thing right like yes your name is on there and you're responsible for it but like it's all the other people that actually make all of this stuff happen and even when it's something like trying to find out a pos system and like how do you you know like what do you use for scheduling what do you use for consignment you know like all that stuff is like you're always leaning on that community and i think that's a really beautiful takeaway from this whole conversation because it, it it's so important for me personally like you said the mental health thing right like being able to talk to you on this you know and and before and like inevitably after and like texting each other and checking in but like just like the guys in the in the you know the sneaker history discord right like those like there's so many people that like this year has kind of just been like, you know, like as much as it's been so difficult or not this year, 2020 and the pandemic, right? As much as it's been so difficult, so challenging and so dark for so many of us, it's also been really beautiful to like, realize that there are people out there that aren't even like, you know, you don't feel like they're close to you. You don't feel like they're relating to the challenges that you're having but yet like they are right. Like they're going through it too. They're trying to figure it out. And I think that's kind of interesting too, to think about like, you know, like being able to, to, you know, have the, the, the awareness for yourself to be able to say like, Hey, I need to take a break from this. As we we talked about before we started recording, right? Like
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that's been something that I've been dealing with personally with everything that I do, because it went from like, you know, I would say, you know, 2018 and 19, the most, you know, some of the most successful years of my life by far to like a brick wall, March Mm -hmm. happens, everything falls off. And like things have slowly started to move in the right direction. And and all of that too, is similar to your, you know, like conversation of like, Hey, this is just like people that you keep in touch with and, and like whatever, whenever the right time happens, it will happen. but at the same time I'm looking around and like, you know, just thinking like, I'm so thankful to like, be able to, you know, like talk to you, like talk to the guys in the discord and, and all these different, you know, avenues of like, being able to feel like that I'm, I'm still connected to people in, in, you know, without, without being physically, you know, in the same space, right? Like all Mm -hmm. of us are, you know, you know, depending on who, like you're, you know, states away and, and you're not getting to go hang out in the same way, but at the same time, like you're getting to share so much more, I guess, personal and intimate things with people that, that, you know, we all kind of like took that hit in 2020. And it's like, wow, like, I'm going to, I'm going to make more out of this conversation. I'm going to make more out of, you know, like riding the bikes and, you know, like I, I, for me personally, it was like, I, I keep looking at the car stuff and like, you know, I, you know, how much I admire you <laughs> doing the charity thing with the car thing. But like, I really do want to look at that in, in, you know, 2021 and figure out like, what is the sneaker version of that? What is like, mm-hmm. what is the combination of those things? Right? Like, how do we bring, you know, the outside the box audience, the sneaker history audience, the, the soul works customers, the, the classic, you know, Um, community and just say like, look, we all just want to do good things for the people that don't have enough good things happening for them. So I don't know what it is yet, but like, I know like having these conversations and like, you know, you being open to come on, even though I know like, you know, it's probably challenging to talk about a lot of these things as like, you know, you kind of transition. This is that space of like, do you talk to people about it? Do you tell people about it? We all have Mm -hmm. that. like, and. I think like hopefully, you know, people take away from that like, you know, it's it's totally, it's it's not only like okay to ask for help. It's really the things that are going to make you successful, right? Like it's it's it, it, like, no matter what we think we do is unique. Somebody already else is somebody's already done that, right? Somebody's done mm-hmm. some aspect of it. They might not have done the exact same thing in the same location, in the same city, but like. You know, somebody's already made mistakes, and I'm I'm thankful that you were able to come on and, and kind of talk through some of that. So, hopefully, like you know, whoever is listening to this can can say, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to hit up Barry because I know he did this, and we're going to try to do something similar." Because, you know, like that's that's kind of my hope for outside the box and and where we go with these conversations. So, um, I guess you know, kind of wrapping up, like, what's what's like the. You know, like the dream, if you could just combine all of these things that you're interested in, what would it look like? Is it, have you ever thought about that, man? And know I know it, it changes all the time, so I'm not going to hold you to like, you know, one <laughs> thing here and there, but like,
1: I, you know, it's really, it, it's, it's kind of what we're, what you're doing with sneaker history and trying to kind of connect it to outside, outside the box. Um, like i feel like it's so weird because it, you can't create a tangible event right like i would like to say hey i want to just do this event where i invite sneakerheads bike guys and 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 uh, car guys all in one roof but at the same time i think it, it has to be something like what we're doing right now i mean you've inspired me to just continue that passion for building communities You know, because every conversation we've had is like, hey, you know, we'll talk about shoes for a little bit, but then we'll talk about the communities we built. Um, you know, the Discord couldn't have happened at a better time because I was in a dark place with sneakers. Like I was at a point where walking away from everything, I was like, I hate sneakers. I hate sneaker heads, I hate the new generation of sneakers. I was so bitter. I was like a bitter old man. But jumping on the Discord and supporting the Patreon, because I know you know, I'm only like the, whatever the lowest tier is, but I know that every little bit helps. And then getting access to the discord, it just gives me something to look forward to every day. Like every day I wake up saying, Hey, I want to take a picture of what I'm wearing and I want to post it in discord and see how many likes I get. But just in that small group of people that I know that I can really connect with on that level. And if you look at my DMS on the discord, it's like, you know, I talk to people about bikes and like, we're not even talking about sneakers in our, in our DMS, you know? And so I guess it, it's something like maybe like some form of media or some type of publication that's just like mixing everything together or just, I mean, my success, like would dream would just be to continue to talk about it, to continue to have these conversations, because to be honest with you, Nick, every time you send me a text or, or vice versa, or we interact on some type of social, I kind of just get this warmth and this feeling of like, you know, I can move on i can i can just wake up the next day and just like do better and just continue to do better and i think that should be everyone's dream right like what can we do you know with the experiences we've gained from everything we've we've done you know to just help not only ourselves but to help you know others at the same time um i mean that if i think we're doing it right now i i guess is what is is what it comes down to
0: have yeah, man I, I i mean it's a feeling is mutual man like i i i can't i can't express how much it means to like have the conversations we have i mean i just think like like i remember telling my girlfriend when when you brought the family to designer con to listen to the panel and like i was just so stoked that like you would you would you know come out to support and then i get to go like to the to the show you know Hopefully in 2021 you're back at it again and I'll be able to make it. But like, you know, just going to the car show and like, and like, I, I, I guess like that whole aspect of like just feeling like you're welcome in these places, right, around these people, and like, you know, I think you and I have a very similar vibe as to like what that means because the 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 discord is the same for me. Like I, I toyed with the idea of of letting go of all the sneaker history stuff at the beginning of of this whole pandemic because I spent a lot of money to keep it up. I've done a lot of work and and it's not something that I've tried to, to make money off of, but it's always been something that I have valued the community aspect of it and the people that cared about it. And, you know, that shifted is really an, an interesting one for me for conversation for another time, but, you know, just, it made me realize the same thing that you just said, right? Like the, the people that are, you know, out here supporting and and like, not even just like talking about shoes or anything. Right. It's, it's literally like, you know, these conversations just open up to other conversations and, and I don't know what, whatever we end up do creating together. Like, I'm super excited for it, man. Like it's going to (laughs) happen. And like, it will be that, right. It'll be that like, so I just think of like, you know, there's, there's like this beautiful chaos that comes from being I guess, you know, people don't consider Sacramento the Bay Area, but I spent more time in the (laughs) Bay Area than I did in Sacramento most of the time. So I say like that in like the, you know, like just the Bay Area has something that's, you know, that is so like, it's just so mixed up and cross-cultured and all of these different things where, you know, you have skateboarders, you have, you know, skateboarders that, that turned into, you know, fixed gears and like that whole world, but like hip hop is interlaced through all of it. But like indie rock is also like layered through there. Mm-hmm. Like there's all these different aspects and then you throw sports on top of it, the, the car aspects on top of it, the like, you know, sneaker stuff, the streetwear stuff, like, you know, like, I mean, just like, it's just one of those things where like the the, the layers and the facets of, of these like worlds where they intertwine to me is such a beautiful thing And I really hope that we can figure out a way to create something that kind of, like, you know, does that, and then inspires the next generation to be like, "Yo, we got to just embrace all these different things, right?" Because the one thing that I I really appreciate about, you know, those kind of things and the conversations, and you know, like one of the things that like I've I've like always been a fan of lowriders. When I was a teenager, like the neighbors had them, my friends' older cousins had them, my friends' older you know uncles had them. So like. I was like big into low riders when I was Mm -hmm. a teenager, like wanted to put, you know, Dayton's on my Honda Accord kind (laughs) of like thing. But my cousin was also, you know, like 92 had a, you know, Civic Si with 16s on it. And everybody thought he was crazy because the wheels were too big and all this. But like those kind of things, like there's just so much where you just and, you know, like I say that because like, you know, you always have your friend. I forget his name, but you always have your friend that brings out the, the 62 out for, for mm-hmm. the show. And it's like, I love seeing that. And I think like, you know, kind of to bring it back to sneakers, one of the things that I've really, you know, enjoyed this year, like one disconnecting from, you know, I guess like Instagram specifically, but like, you know, just like not having as much invested into it, but also being able to see all these people that want to still share these things, but don't want to play into that whole world of things. Right. And to be able Mm -hmm. to create this little world where we can have these conversations and do these things has been really inspiring to me because you get to see some of the the people that don't necessarily, they don't necessarily feel, uh, you know, that they should be sharing because there's all these like, you know, kind of the things that you talked about at the beginning of like, you you know, do you, do you have, do you, are you wearing the cool thing? Right. Are you, can you fit into this? Like there's this expectation. And my hope is that like more and more of these conversations will just erase that, you know, there will always be that, right. Like I don't have any, you know, beef with anybody that has that because whatever makes you feel good, makes you feel good. So hopefully that's, you know, what comes from this, but yeah, man, I, uh, just went on a long rant there, but to, to, no, to basically finalize it, I'm thankful to, to have this conversation with you. I'm excited to to see where you go with with all of these different things. And um I guess last last thing is like, you know, let people know how they can find you and follow you and you know get in touch when they need to find out where uh where to pick up a point of sale system and, and what, what works <laughs> and what doesn't. <laughs> um I mean I guess
1: just the, the easiest way to get a hold of me is through my personal account on Instagram. It's at verse one V-E-R-S-E-O-N-E. Um, you can also reach me at at State Classic uh, with a C-L-A-S-S-I-C-K if you're interested in cars. And then for sneakers, anything sneaker related, you can DM me at SoulWorks um, on Instagram. Uh, and those are probably the three best ways to just hit me up. I'm, I'm constantly on Instagram and that's probably the fastest way to get a hold of me. But I mean, to anyone listening, if you have a question about anything, uh, I mean, I'm open. I'm an open book. I mean you know, I I really appreciate this opportunity to finally kind of get, get, get an in-depth conversation with you, Nick, because, you know, I think the thing about podcasts is even, even starting my own. um I mean, you think like, you think of a podcast as like the person that's being interviewed has to be like somebody, right? Like a CEO or something. And I, and the thing that always comes to mind when, when I think about being on one myself is like, who am I? Like I'm nobody. Like I don't. I don't have this or that to speak about. But it, when you reflect about, you know, your life and your your journey, there's just there's value there in, in what what you've gone through. And I feel like if if the more people we can get on board with being able to be open about sharing their story, it, it's just gonna help everyone. Um, but yeah, man, I I truly appreciate you, man. You've been such a huge inspiration with every pretty much everything that i've i've done related to sneakers cars bikes burritos i mean everything (laughs) so burritos that's thank you for that man that's that's yeah that's a whole other podcast together
0: yeah we should the burrito (laughs) podcast coming soon man i could talk about that all day (laughs) Uh no man the feeling is mutual man i really appreciate you taking the time you know and um looking forward to to figuring out how we're going to make this all work together and and do some cool shit together too so uh um, yeah yeah man thanks thanks for joining me and thanks everybody for listening we'll catch you on the next one peace thank you guys